0: This is The Guardian.
1: Today, why is monkeypox predominantly affecting gay and bisexual men? And what's our healthcare system doing to protect them? 1990s, when Dr. Will Nutland had just started his career in public health, and around him, friends, loved ones, and other men in his community were being diagnosed with HIV.
0: One of my friends saw his lover die at a really early age, and I was in my early 20s and started to see people I loved and cared for. Getting seriously ill, I saw it at a time when newspapers like The Sun and The Daily Mail were running the most horrific, bigoted, homophobic bile against us. I saw people I loved and cared for being queer-bashed, beaten up on the streets. And I decided that I was not prepared to not be part of the solution.
1: Will has spent the years since then researching HIV and helping to educate people on its treatments. And lately, he's been following the outbreak of another infectious disease that's overwhelmingly affecting men who have sex with men. For the moment, this is an outbreak that's concentrated among men who have sex with men, especially those with multiple sexual partners. Monkeypox can be serious and, and in rare cases, as deadly. As any virus. At first, people might feel feverish and have intense headaches and muscle pains their lymph nodes may swell, making it painful to swallow. After a few days, they might start to see lesions appearing on their skin, patches of discoloration that begin flat and then swell with fluid.
0: The scar on my nose was starting to pound and my heart was suddenly coming here and then pounding on my face. It was so painful and without the, any, any opioids they were giving to me, I, I wasn't able to sleep, I wasn't able to you know, do anything. This is a disease
1: that's spreading worldwide. That the World Health Organization has declared a global health emergency. Since the first case in the UK was detected in May, almost 2,500 people have caught it. Thankfully here, nobody has died. And we have access to a vaccine. But not everyone who needs it most is able to access it at the moment. Will Nutland and health campaigners like him are using the lessons they've learned from previous health emergencies to act quickly, to speak directly to his community and to try to get people the help they need.
0: I thankfully remained HIV negative. Many of the people I loved and cared for didn't. Some of those people are no longer alive. So my passion comes from really understanding and believing that there are times in our lives when we need to step forward and we need to do something. And I think we need to do that now with monkeypox.
1: From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus, what we're learning about monkeypox and the people who are most affected by it. Will Nutland, you're the founder of two sexual health organisations, Prepster and The Love Tank, and your specialism is researching HIV. But we're talking to you today because monkeypox has become an increasing concern, particularly for men who have sex with men. What is the situation in the UK at the moment with this virus?
0: Well, until about 10 weeks ago, monkeypox was almost unheard of in the UK. Most of the diagnosed cases were in um, key parts of the African continent. And about 10 weeks ago, um, a very, very small handful of people started to present at sexual health clinics and in hospitals, with symptoms, particularly genital lesions, that were being originally misdiagnosed as other sexually transmitted infections that we now know were monkeypox. And what we've seen over the last two months or so is a fairly rapid increase in the numbers of people who've been diagnosed with monkeypox. So in the UK, there have now been more than 2,000 have been diagnosed. Globally, there are more than 16,000 people. The vast majority of the people, both globally and in the UK, we know are men who have sex with men. And that doesn't mean to say that monkeypox can't be transmitted in other people. But right now, the center of those diagnoses are in men who have sex with men. And we do think that most of those infections happened as a result of close physical contact. Sometimes that involves sex, but it doesn't just have to involve sex.
1: We've known about monkeypox for decades. The first cases of the virus were detected in the 1970s, and there have been several outbreaks since then, mainly but not exclusively contained within the African continent. The World Health Organisation is planning to change the name of the virus because... Many people consider it stigmatising and discriminatory. They haven't got round to doing that. So throughout this episode, we are still going to have to use the term monkeypox. What kinds of symptoms are people getting?
0: So the symptoms that we're starting to see with people who are having monkeypox can be unusual rashes, but body rashes, that then over a number of days move into spots or sores or lesions. Typically, we're seeing these in and around the genitals and around the anal area, but sometimes on the face, sometimes on, on the hands and the feet. Some people are also getting sore throats, painful swollen glands, headaches, just feeling really unwell. Almost everybody I know who has had monkeypox is saying that they were feeling very unwell, they were sleeping a lot, they felt exhausted. But I also want to caution that we need we need to be careful about necessarily describing these symptoms as symptoms that everybody who has monkeypox will necessarily have. It is possible to have monkeypox and to have relatively minor symptoms.
1: What percentage of the overall cases are among men who have sex with men?
0: In the UK right now, we think the percentage of those people with diagnosed monkeypox who are men who have sex with men are in the very high 90s, so somewhere along the the lines of about 98% of those cases.
1: What have you been doing with your organisations, Prepster and The Love Tank, to try and raise awareness of this?
0: So Prepster and our parent company, The Love Tank, have a history of working with queer communities, particularly queer men of colour and queer migrant communities, And over the last couple of months, we've been undertaking outreach to those groups of people and both online outreach through dating apps and sex apps, but also going out into the places where lots of those people meet, um, either meet for sex or meet socially, bars, clubs, sex on premises venues. In the first month, we were only really able to talk about um, symptoms and to advise people what they should do if they if they discovered that they had potential symptoms of, of monkeypox. But now because of the rollout of the vaccine program, we've been able to help people to understand the benefits of the vaccine and been able to help people to try and navigate the complexities of getting hold of vaccine.
1: What kinds of response have you had from people?
0: I'm impressed and yet not surprised by The amount of resilience that we're seeing, this is not uncommon in queer communities, particularly queer communities, when we're dealing with a health issue for people to want to take control of and to be in power of their own health and well-being, not only individually, but of the people around us, our our communities. So people have been concerned. People have been wanting to understand what monkeypox is. They want to understand how it can be prevented and how it can be diagnosed.
1: Monkeypox was first detected in the UK at the beginning of May. And then a couple of weeks ago, the World Health Organization declared it a global health emergency. What have researchers learned about this strain of monkeypox in that time and how it's spreading?
0: So what we've learned over the last couple of months is that monkeypox appears to be being transmitted in ways that we ordinarily and not used to seeing it being transmitted. So, through close physical contact and, and through sexual contact, we're also still seeing possible cases of people who are picking up monkeypox in ways that we are more ordinarily used to seeing monkeypox being passed on through close contact within households and within families. And sometimes, but we think these cases seem to be very rare at the moment through contacts with physical objects that might be, for example, someone going to a sauna and sitting on a bench or a towel that someone who has monkeypox has, has recently sat on or, or sharing towels, for example. But right now, there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of evidence to support that that kind of object way is the main driver behind what we're seeing in Europe at the moment.
1: The NHS is advising people if they have symptoms of monkeypox to call 111 or a sexual health clinic and to self-isolate. Are there any treatments available?
0: So there are treatments available and those treatments can help people to diminish the impacts of the symptoms. What we are hearing, though, is that because it can take a number of days for someone to have a confirmed monkeypox case, for some of the cases that we're hearing about, by the time treatment is offered, it's almost too late. They've been through the worst of their symptoms. So for
1: some people, the symptoms are relatively mild... And they will go away within a few weeks without treatment. But for others, it's more severe. Pregnant women, young children and people who have compromised immune systems, for example, if they're HIV positive, what percentage of people are ending up in hospital needing treatment for it?
0: So we know right now that about 10% of people who are being diagnosed with monkeypox need to have hospital treatment. And generally, that's because they're getting secondary infections in their in their lesions, for example, that require some hospital treatment to treat those infections. There are some people, particularly people who have pre-existing health conditions, people who, for example, may have some kind of immunodeficiency or a condition that makes them more immunocompromised. And if those people are infected or become infected with, with monkeypox, then we should be paying additional attention to their health and care and well-being and having um, additional checks made on those people.
1: And as you said, monkeypox spreads through skin-to-skin contact or through droplets, you know, when somebody coughs or sneezes. The World Health Organization isn't treating it as a sexually transmitted infection. But as they have stated, this outbreak is concentrated among men who have sex with men, especially those with multiple sexual partners. Do we know why that is?
0: We have seen monkeypox diagnosed in dense networks of men who have sex with men, both dense sexual networks and dense social networks. And really the amount of physical contact and sometimes the numbers of partner exchange gave monkeypox an ideal opportunity to start being transmitted amongst us within those groups of people. But also I I want to go back to some of the positive narratives around this, because we know that some of the early cases of monkeypox were being diagnosed amongst gay and bisexual men because they noticed something on their genitals and they took care of themselves and went to their sexual health clinics thinking that they had a sexually transmitted infection when in fact it wasn't.
1: Through the COVID pandemic, we've all seen the importance of having a good test and trace system so that we can tell how a virus is spreading through communities and across the country. What's the test and trace system like for monkeypox?
0: So in the very early days of monkeypox, contact tracing or test and trace, as we might want to call it, was, was working relatively well. There were relatively few people who were being diagnosed with monkeypox. And as a result, it was reasonably easy to contact people who could have been exposed. The challenge has been that as those numbers have increased, it's harder and harder for our, our public health systems to keep pace with contacting all of those people
1: The NHS has been putting out public health messaging around this. And, you know, if you look at their leaflets, you probably wouldn't get a sense that this outbreak is particularly impacting gay and bisexual men. For example, they've put out a leaflet stating that anyone can catch monkeypox, which is, of course, factually true. But why do you think they've gone with that generalised messaging?
0: So I I want to be clear that about the NHS And UKHSA have not just put out information that people in the general population will see. There has been targeted programmes of work that have served gay and bisexual men, particularly gay and bisexual men who may uh, use saunas or sex clubs or be involved in attending sex parties. So there has been some enhanced work. But I, I think, and my view is that, that we need to be putting more of our resources into that enhanced work, more targeted work. I, I have to say to their credit that the folks at UKHSA have, have really listened to the feedback that, that a number of us have given on this and have been really open to hearing our feedback on how the work that they do in the next phase can be improved.
1: Do you think that the message is getting through to the people who most need it at the moment?
0: So I think there are groups of gay and bisexual men right now who are not being contacted in the right way about monkeypox. So there have been supervax events happening that have been open access so people can drop in. They might have to stand in line for a while, but they can receive their monkeypox vaccine. And we've seen scenes over the last couple of weekends of thousands of people queuing around the block in South London at London Bridge, where there was a supervax clinic and thousands of people who were able to take time to stand in line often for, for four or five or six hours in order to receive their first vaccine. I know from the big supervax events, from the people I know who have been at those super vax events across the last couple of weekends, that the people who are standing in line for monkeypox vaccine are predominantly white, cisgendered men who have sex with men. And I I think those supervax events are great. They should be applauded. I support them. But alongside that, we need specialist, targeted monkeypox information and vaccination programs that meet the needs of those gay and bisexual men who for one reason or, or another, whether that reason be economic, social, cultural, religious, who are not going to be able to stand front in line and stand for hours and hours around blocks at, at London Bridge on the weekend. So we need to make sure, we need to learn from the last 30 or 40 years of everything that we've done with sexual and reproductive health, everything we've done with HIV, everything we've done with COVID to ensure that we, we cannot allow monkeypox health inequities to, to bubble to the surface. We must collectively do everything within our power to ensure that health inequities do not arise as a result of our actions.
1: What do you think are some of the best ways to target those marginalised groups?
0: We can do that by going to the places where those men meet, where those men have sex. Um, it might be parties, it might be events, it might be uh, social groups or social clubs. And we need to do that geographically as well. There are parts of London where we know that there is a a larger number of, for example, Southeast Asian men or black men or other queer men of colour. And that means targeting our vaccine programmes and our outreach into those communities and into those geographical parts of London.
1: Part of the advice that's being given out is that if you notice symptoms of monkeypox, You should, as well as self-isolating until you've got a confirmed diagnosis, abstain from having sex, especially with new sexual partners.
0: In the meantime, avoid physical contact wherever possible and don't have sex again until you've been seen. And this will help to stop further cases.
1: What do you think to that message?
0: The language that we're using is, the, is that you take a break, that you take a break from um, going to a hot, sweaty nightclub or a festival or a party, um, or you take a break from having close physical contact. Um, and that can include close physical sexual contact until you've sought medical advice, until you know it's safe. Um, to continue back on your way. I think that's a really important piece of information and it's information that we've been talking to thousands of people about across the summer.
1: It's a very tempered message, isn't it? You're only asking people to take a break for a very short amount of time. But there are some people spreading misinformation, prejudice basically, on social media, saying that men who have sex with men should basically stop having sex at all at the moment to control the spread of this disease i'm interested you know over your years of research has abstinence worked as a health message in other outbreaks
0: there is buckets of research that shows that when you tell people not to have sex when you when you only offer abstinence as an option it doesn't work we know this through teen pregnancy we saw this during covid and in fact We know that a fairly significant minority of people continue to have sex, continue to meet other people, despite it being illegal. So I think there are many reasons why abstinence messaging does not work.
1: Coming up, how well is the vaccine programme working? There is a vaccination for monkeypox. What can people do in the UK at the moment to get it?
0: So I want to be clear that the vaccination that is currently available is, is, a, is a vaccination for smallpox. It's a vaccination that has been uh, used and tested in the past. We know it's safe. We know it works. But we're not exactly clear the extent to which it's going to work on a population level on monkeypox because we have just never vaccinated this number of people against this virus but you know i've seen some of the data and I, and i trust the data i haven't yet been called forward for my first vaccination but i absolutely will do so as soon as i'm able to so i trust the vaccine and i trust the data around it right now most of the vaccination program is being done through our sexual health clinics so our sexual health clinics generally will contact us when they have adequate vaccine available and staff to undertake that vaccination program but we also know there's opportunities for people who don't want to wait to be called forward to also pick up the opportunities of of monkeypox vaccinations
1: as you said Hundreds of people at a time have been queuing outside those supervax uh, centres, you know, over the weekend at Guy's and St Thomas's Hospital, they had to shut down their vaccine clinic after just a few hours because so many people turned up. Have we got a problem at the moment with the amount of vaccine available?
0: So right now, I don't think the problem is the amount of vaccine that we have available. I think the problem we have is the infrastructure and the network to get that vaccine into people's bodies.
1: How does the availability of the vaccine in the UK compare to other countries around the world?
0: Just as we saw with those COVID inequity around the world, we really need to be learning again and calling out this inequity. Isn't it weird that it took monkeypox to start taking hold in Europe for our global attention to start uh, focusing on it isn't it weird that it took monkeypox to take hold in parts of of Europe and North America for us up to start advocating for new vaccine implementation and research on treatments and we need to stop this bullshit we need to stop this colonialist inequitable bullshit that happens in our global health systems And we need to be, as Global North activists, public health activists and queer activists, starting to really call out the pharmaceuticals, the governments, the pan-global organisations about their practice and their policy and their priorities and where resourcing and funding goes.
1: There have been a small number of deaths during this outbreak in Nigeria, Ghana, in Spain, Brazil and in India, We've been fortunate that nobody in the UK has died. How do health researchers expect this outbreak to develop and spread across the UK over the next few months?
0: Health researchers, epidemiologists, people who work in public health are watching very, very cautiously about what happens next. Right now, we have the tools at our disposal to really, really start dealing with this as an outbreak. We need to see vaccination programmes ramped up We need to make sure that we have plans in place for how we're going to start addressing diagnostics and vaccination in other communities of people if we start to see diagnosis happen outside of groups of men who have sex with men. We need to make sure that organisations like UKHSA are properly resourced. This is not the time to be making dramatic and massive cuts to our public health institutions. And I I would say primarily what we need to be doing is making sure that our sexual health services, our fantastic sexual health clinics run by such dedicated and devoted staff are properly resourced, not just properly resourced to deal with monkeypox, but properly resourced into the future so that the next time they have to deal with an outbreak like this, because it's not about if it's about when, those clinics are able to deal with it without their staff having to work seven days a week, without there having to be long waiting lists. We have such power to collectively improve the sexual health, the public health of our nation, of the continent we live in, and the whole of the world, if only we will be brave enough to do so.
1: Well, thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. You're really welcome.
1: That was Dr. Will Nutland. We contacted the UK Health Security Agency, which is the government body responsible for getting hold of vaccines. A spokesperson told us the agency initially procured almost 30,000 doses of the smallpox vaccine, and that in response to the ongoing monkeypox outbreak, had ordered more than 100,000 additional doses, which will be ready over the next few months. At the moment, people most at risk, which includes some healthcare workers, will be contacted directly to be offered their first dose. We also went to Guy's and St Thomas's Hospital where walk-in clinics have been very popular. A spokesperson said, it's encouraging to see so many people coming forward for the vaccine and people should continue to check the latest eligibility criteria before attending a walk-in clinic. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Cleetia Sala, Alex Atak, and Anua Abakamensa. Sound design was by Axel Kakutier, and our executive producers are Elizabeth Cassin and Phil Maynard. We'll be back tomorrow.
0: This is The Guardian.